Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to another episode of the Inspector Sports Podcast, season one, episode three. This episode will be a NBA final special episode. We will talk about both teams, the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets. Congratulations. Congratulations to both teams making it to the NBA Finals. We will get into that topic, the Nuggets and Heat. We're also going to talk about who wins game one. We're going to get into what this means for Jimmy Butler's legacy if the Miami Heat are to win this series. And we're going to also talk about Nikola Jokic's legacy as well. We got two superstars, one in the making and one current. We're going to get into both of them, both teams, what it means for everybody. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. You can go ahead and subscribe on YouTube, The X Factor Sports Podcast. You can also look at us on all major streaming sites, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at X Factor Sports, and we are live on Facebook as well. Before we get into all of that, though, we're going to talk about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics. Yes, they had a tough series, went down three games to none, but we learned something about the Boston Celtics, including Coach Joe Mazzulla. But the bigger topic is Tatum and Brown, what we learned about them. They've been together. It, it seems like they've been in the league forever. They've been together for six years. Jason Tatum's only 25 years old. Jalen Brown's only 26. And they've been to five conference finals, and they have one finals appearance. And I know it seems like we've been watching these dudes forever, but they're so young and so talented, and they haven't scratched the surface yet of being what we call your prime. They're still young guys. They're an all-NBA duo. They both made all-NBA first team. Jason Tatum has made all-NBA first team two years in a row. And then you got Jalen Brown, who just broke through and made all-NBA second team. So, Obviously, looking as a basketball player or as a basketball fan, you want to see this continue to go because you don't know how long this will last. Everybody is in a rush to get them broken up. What are they going to do now? You know, they can't lead a team, this, that, and the third. Again, they're 25 and 26 years old. I believe they're both good enough to be the alpha on their own individual teams, but I think they won't get as much success as they'll get if they play together. But that's kind of how I think about it. After all this success, all this winning they've done at a young age, what are we going to do about them if they were split up? You know, can Jalen Brown be the best player on a championship team by himself? And can Jason Tatum be the best player on a championship team by himself? I don't believe they can, but I believe together they can be a team that can get to a championship as they already have and actually break through and win one. Yes, some things need to change around them, and I think a lot of it is because when you watch the NBA now, we think that these players should be, if they're the superstars, then they need to be the playmakers, the decision makers. They need to do all of the things for their teams to win. When in actuality, you need a total team effort to get that. If, for example, you look at Steph Curry. Like Steph Curry, yes, he is the leader of the Golden State Warriors. Or he's the best player on the team. But Everybody in that locker room will tell you that Jamon Green is probably the leader of that team, the emotional leader, the guy they ra- that they rally behind, right? And Steph is the lead by example guy and the best player. And he's humble enough and he, he has enough humility to bring in a superstar like Kevin Durant. 
and to win more championships. I think what it is with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum is they don't have a, a, a veteran leadership presence that impacts winning. So, of course, they have veteran leadership. They got Al Horford. They got Marcus Smart. Like Marcus Smart is the longest team in Celtic. But they don't have that leader that can reel everybody in when they need to run plays, when they need to make smart decisions, when they have a low on offense. You know, who's going to settle them down and get them in the sets? You know, we thought Malcolm Brogdon would be that piece this year, but he disappeared in the playoffs, or at least in this last series. And I think that's what they need to combine their strengths. So I'll use I'll use Jordan Pippen as an example. No, I'm not saying they're Jordan Pippen. They're not that caliber. But even though the Bulls had Jordan Pippen, there was a system behind how both of them played, and you had a steady veteran point guard in John Paxson in the first three P that could settle everything down when they needed to. Yes, you have Michael Jordan who can. Bring, bring it home for you for a victory in the fourth quarter. You have Scotty Pippen, who's a point forward, who can make plays, guard your best player on the other team. But they also ran a system and was cohesive. I don't think the Celtics have that. If you look at their season from last year, last year to this year, when the Celtics were in trouble, they could rely on their defense to win them games. But so when they're not shooting well, and defense travels. You probably heard that saying before in all sports. And basically what that means is if you're a good defensive team, you can have a bad night offensively. You cannot be making shots. You can be turning the ball over. Like things just aren't going your way. You're not going to make every shot you take. But defense and effort travels everywhere. And I think that was Boston's identity last season is that they were able with Ime Udoka to travel with that defense no matter if they had a bad shooting night. It covered up a lot of mistakes. It covered up a lot of, you know, Jason Tatum's up and down games in the playoffs, inconsistencies, Jalen Brown's inconsistencies. They can get it back on the defensive end. They can win a game in the low run. This season was totally different. Bill Mazzulla took a different approach. And he was more predicated on shooting threes. If you look at it, it's a glaring difference when the Boston Celtics made threes and when they missed threes, their wins and losses. And that was the telltale sign of the series. The first three games, they couldn't hit the, the broad side of a barn. The, the next three games, they made threes at a historic base. And then again, in game seven, it came crashing down. So when you have such a helter-skelter offense that you depend on, you're going to get those inconsistent results. Like people were worried about them in the first round against Atlanta because they weren't making shots. They were just a better team. But they need, one, they need an identity. And they had that on the defensive end last year, what got them to the final. And then they need to marry that with the shooting. And that's how you get to that next level. In this, in today's NBA, you almost have to combine the early 2000s style, not as rugged as the 90s, but that defense, you have to almost incorporate that with the offense of today. That's how Golden State's been able to do it. Everybody looks at how great Golden State is and how many threes they make, but they're always top two or three teams defensively when they win championships. So it's not an accident. And I think that's where the slippage was with the Boston Celtics. 
So do I think Tatum and Brown can play together from a basketball standpoint on the court? Yes. Do they need to fix some things, get an identity back, um, get some veteran leadership at the point guard position for sure? So they're, they're not the ones solely being leaned on to make plays. But from a business standpoint, if we want to get real, I want to be real with y'all. From a business standpoint, it's probably damn near impossible for them to play together. All right, so the reason I say that, there's a collective bargaining agreement the CBA is going to re-up next season, 24, the 23-24 season. What that means is the salary cap will go up to about $134 million. For those of you who don't understand what salary cap means, it's, it's a number where each individual franchise, each team, they have to spend that amount of money every year. So the cap is at 134. Yes, they can go over, they pay what's called a luxury tax, they go over. But the cap is at $134 million. Because Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both paid all NBA, they get incentives from the team that drafted them. And because they're incentivized, they get what's called a supermax contract. So to give you an idea how ridiculous the money is now in the NBA, Jalen Brown is eligible for a five-year, $295 million contract next year, or this summer, basically. He's eligible for that. That's $59 million a year for the next five. The money is ridiculous. And then after that, the very next season, Tatum's current contract is on the last year. He can re-up the year after next summer when the CBA is in play and make five years $318 million which is $63.6 million a year. So remember what I said about that salary cap at 134. If they were to keep these two players, the Celtics would be paying $122 million a year to two players, which leaves you with less than $12 million to fill out a roster. So, I mean, you guys you guys can do math, right? You, you're not going to be able to get 10 NBA players with $11 million unless you go over the luxury tax. The Boston Celtics franchise isn't known for doing such things. That's more of a Lakers, Golden State, even Houston Rockets when James Harden was there. Kind of a win now situation. I don't see them doing it. It'd be unprecedented if they did it as a Boston Celtics franchise. That's the numbers we're looking at. So yes, from a basketball standpoint, we definitely want to see Tatum Brown continue to play. At least I do, my personal opinion. I think they're two young, great basketball players that could win together, but if Jalen Brown leaves, he's going to get a max deal. It's as simple as that. And Tatum is going to get a max deal as well. He's been a first-team All-NBA player the last two years, and he was fourth in MVP voting, and he's 25 years old. You can't, you can't break that up and expect to see that again if you're the Boston Celtics. So what do they do? Are they able to pay both players? I don't think they are, but it'll be interesting to see what happens this summer with Jalen Brown. That'll tell you what you need to know about the future of Boston Celtics if Jalen Brown gets this contract this year or this summer. But just think about those numbers, $59 million for the next five, and Tatum will be right back behind him with $63 million for the next five out. Crazy money. But we'll see what happens with them. Like I said, Great duo on the basketball court. I think it can work business-wise and financially. 
I don't see how the Boston Celtics can do it. So this may have been the last time we've seen Tatum and Brown on the court together as Boston Celtics. When we come back, we will continue with the NBA Finals special show. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. We will talk about the Miami Heat, how they got to the finals, Jimmy's prediction, and how he ended up here, and what they will do, and how big this will be for the Miami Heat franchise. When we come back, this is the X Factor Sports Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Yo, welcome back to the X-Factor Sports Podcast, the NBA Finals Special, Episode 3. Let's get into the Miami Heat, all right? They made the NBA Finals for the second time in the last four seasons. I know a lot of people feel like the Miami Heat are under the radar, but there's been a lot of success in the Miami Heat organization since Jimmy, a.k.a. Jimmy Butler, shown up. This season, though, didn't have the best regular season. They ended up being an eighth seed. They even lost the first playing game against the Atlanta Hawks before beating the Bulls and, and grabbing an eighth seed in the playoffs. Clearly, it didn't matter, and they lost Tyler Hero, their second leading scorer. Still didn't matter. Some would even argue they play a little bit better without Tyler Hero. A lot more touches, a lot more ball movement. Not the ball isn't sticking. It's not as tight. But the results can tell you that. They did go to the finals with Tyler Hero, and now they're in the finals without him. So you be the judge. But like I said, uh, Jimmy Butler kept his word. If you've listened to the sound bites, if you heard them last year, they lost a game 7 to the Boston Celtics. So the Celtics get to the finals. This year, and after that game, I should say, in a presser, he talked about, we will get back to this position and we will finish the job. And he stayed true to his word. Now the, the Heat are playing in the NBA Finals tomorrow night, game one. I believe that the way Jimmy Butler has been playing has inspired his team and the way Eric Spolster coaches, he, to me, is the best coach in basketball right now. Why is he the best coach in basketball? He doesn't have the most talent. They... Yes, they didn't do the best in the regular season, but he coaches a different type of way. He's not your tradition, the, the traditional coach that's like, we need to win all these games, all these games, you know, to get the seeding we need in the playoffs. I believe he coaches, he prepares his teams for the playoffs during the regular season. What I mean by that is when it's big games, he wants them up for those games. He lets Jimmy Butler rest. And it's more mentally tough to play for Eric Spolcher. You have to stay in its culture. But I believe Eric Spolcher is, is the spearheaded of all that. Obviously, the Godfather, Pat Riley, is the, the president. 
but it trickles down the spoke and to the team. And it's not a surprise that they're, they're where they are right now, the way they play. So let's just recap what they did in the playoffs. They beat the number one seed in the league. They had the number one overall seed in Milwaukee Bucks. Beat them in five games. Then they beat the Knicks in six games in the second round. Knicks had a great season. A lot of people didn't even expect them to get out of the first round. It's Cleveland, but they did. The Heat beat them in six. And then they just beat the Celtics in seven after being up 3-0. A little bit of slippage, a little bit of rest. Who knows? You know, I was talking to one of my boys last night. We were talking about, was Jimmy Butler, like, resting after those three games? Like, was he out of gas and just knew he needed to get one and he was comfortable no matter when he needed to get the one? I won't say that he – I won't ever say a player is playing Russian roulette with a playoff series, <laughs> but it's, it kind of seemed like he was because they obviously got the job done in game seven against the Celtics. But as an AC, I mean, they were not picked to win any of these series. They definitely wasn't picked to beat the Bucks in five. And nobody really believed in the Heat until they went up 3-0 on the Celtics. Like, okay, you're for real and that's when everybody kind of started moving along towards in the Heat's direction. But it just seemed like they always had this belief in themselves that they could win these games. Caleb Martin, and Caleb Martin arguably played the best series. He could have been easily the Eastern Conference Finals MVP. He got four out of the nine votes. And then Jimmy obviously got the other five to win it. But just players were stepping up at the right time. Gabe Vincent. Duncan Robinson is even playing games now. You know, this is a great story for Caleb Martin. Game seven last year, he was a he, he got a DMP, which is a did not play. Didn't even play in game seven last year. That was something, frankly, the coach didn't think he was good enough. And now, fast forward a year later, he is one vote away from winning the MVP in the whole series. I mean, it just tells you all you need to know about the Heat culture. They believe in their players. It doesn't matter who they have there. I'm, I'm kind of tired of hearing them. Oh, they're a bunch of non-drafted players. The narrative is dead. They, they're in the league. They obviously know how to play. And they're in the championship. So it doesn't matter. The players on the other side of the court don't care about who was drafted and who's not. If you're on the court, you're playing, you're playing. <clears throat> so that's what I think it is. I think the Heat have a, a, they have a great chance of winning the NBA championship. I believe they're a little overmatched, but I do believe that they do have a chance. You can't count a team out that's proven over and over and over again that they can win a series as the underdog. I mean, the first the first thing we should have looked at is when they beat the Bucks in five games, we should have been looking like, oh, okay. The Heat are serious. Like, what are they doing? What is it about this Miami Heat team that got them to the finals? Like, you know, is it toughness? Is it shot making? Is it just Jimmy Butler is playing out of his mind? You know, they have belief. I believe it's all of those things rolling in one. But I think it starts with Eric Spolstrom and the way he coaches this team. He gives them the freedom. He gives them the belief that they can win. And they go out and play. He just, they play free. They know that they're underdogs. They go out and play free. And they play to win. They play tough. They're still one of the best defensive teams in the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see how they go against the Denver Nuggets in these finals.
when we come back, we're taking a real quick break. We're going to come back and talk about the Denver Nuggets on the other side of this break. Be sure to tune in to YouTube and Facebook Live and also subscribe to all of the channels. Uh, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, at X-Factor Sports. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Told you we're coming right back real quick. Now we're gonna talk about the Denver Nuggets. <clears throat> Are the Denver, the Denver Nuggets have they been the best team in the NBA since probably Christmas? Have we overlooked the Denver Nuggets because of all their years of getting close but not winning? Because of how deep the Western Conference was from Golden State, the Lakers, and Luka Doncic in Denver with. Sacramento up and coming. Were we just the Clippers, Phoenix? Like, were we overlooking Denver? Like, yeah, they're a nice story, but can they beat the best teams in the Western Conference? I mean, it feels like it feels like they they weren't getting their just due. I know Michael Malone was on TV saying we're not getting our respect even after we win. You guys talk about the Lakers, so on and so forth. But I think subconsciously he's right. Think about it like this. They were the number one seed in the West. All you heard about is can they get out of this series? Can they beat KD and Devin Booker? Can they beat LeBron and AD? You know, they, they were never favored to win in either of those series until they proved they can win games. Like they had to win the first two, or they had like they weren't at the beginning of the series when it was zero zero. It wasn't like we were saying, yeah, the Nuggets is about to win this series. Yeah, the Nuggets are about to sweep the Lakers. Like, that wasn't talk, that wasn't a conversation. So I think Michael Malone again has done a great job with his coaching of his team. So there are a lot of great parallels between them and the Miami Heat. And with Michael Malone, I mean, he could have been coach of the year this year for sure. He had every right to win that award. But let's talk about this team going to the finals, their first NBA finals as a franchise. I want to congratulate the Denver Nuggets. They've been playing a hell of a playoffs. Again, got through Phoenix in six games. They got through the Minnesota Timberwolves in the first round, sorry, in, in, five, in four games. Then they swept them. No, they lost one. So got through them in five, got through the Phoenix Suns in six, and then swept the Lakers. So because they swept the Lakers, I'm sure they were at home rooting for, they didn't care who they probably played, but I guarantee they were rooting for that series to go seven. And they did exactly what they wanted it to do. So now the winner of that series, obviously the Heat, has just went through a grueling seven game series and now they got to come to the mile high and try to play against the Nuggets tomorrow night. But what does that mean for the Nuggets? 
there is a healthy balance. Is there, is it too much rest? So we got, we got a battle with rest versus rust, right? The Nuggets have been, as of tomorrow, they'll have nine days rest before going into this game after beating the Lakers last week. Nine days rest. So the biggest question will be, will they be rusty going into game one? And, you know, is this a benefit for the Heat after seven-game series? They got their legs on them. They got some groove. Will they be rusty going into game one? I don't believe they will be, maybe for half. You know, you got to chip the cobwebs off. But I have seen it happen. I've seen teams lose the first game of a final. And I've seen teams, you know, come out guns blazing in the final. So it's just a matter of what we see coming from this team. It'll be interesting to see. Again, this is a brand new experience for the Nuggets, for all of these players. I think KCP, uh, Contavious Caldwell Hope, is the only player that's been to a final that's on that team. Jeff Green. So we'll see what it looks like when they play tomorrow. Nikola Jokic, this is big for him too. I believe he can stick his claim as the best player in the NBA. For the playoff run he's had, he's averaging a 30-point triple-double. If they win the championship and he's the finals MVP, it's going to be real hard for somebody to argue that he's not the best player in the NBA for what he's done this season. You got to think about it. He went through KD and Book. AD and LeBron, a young up-and-coming Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns. We went through six All-Stars in the Western Conference, Hall of Famers in the Western Conference. I believe if Golden State would have won, they would have beat Golden State too, so he would have through Stephen Clay. And doing it with historical numbers, he, he passed Will Chamberlain for triple-doubles all-time in the playoff run with eight. And Will Chambers at seven, so it's hard to say that it'll be hard to, to make an argument against Nicole Jokic not being the best player in basketball if they win this year. And he's in the finals of the year. Mike Malone, the coach, didn't stick his claim as the best coach in the league for what he's done. So everything I just said about Jokic, you can I can echo that about Michael Malone. Being with this franchise for eight years, he's been Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray's coach their entire time in Denver since they drafted him. Homegrown players, their their pillars are homegrown with Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., and with Jamal Murray. And then they added ancillary pieces around them to, to form this team. The way they play, it's fun to watch. You got a big man who sets the table for everybody and he's an offensive threat. His defense has gotten better. It's underrated at this point. People don't talk about his defense because it doesn't stand out, but he holds his own. He's, he's underratedly strong in Cody Elkins. And I think a lot of that is a testament to Mike Malone, being patient with him and watching the development, seeing what nobody else saw in Nikola Jokic, a second-round pick. And this is what you get. These are the results. You're four wins away from winning the first NBA championship in Denver. And I believe as a well-rounded teammate as they are, and with this matchup with the Miami Heat, it's going to be tough to see if the Heat can beat this team. The Nuggets have won nine out of the last 10 games, dating back to 2019, so even before COVID. The Nuggets have basically owned the Miami Heat, no matter who's been on either rosters, 
the main constant has been Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Even when Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. have been hurt, the Nuggets have still found a way to beat this Miami Heat team home or away. Like I said, not out of the last 10 games. Funny story, when we were in Miami for a buddy of mine, his 30th birthday party, we went to the Nuggets Heat game. Never thought of me, and I talked to my producer, Ms. D. We talked about this. We didn't think, looking at that game, that these two teams would actually be in the final a couple of years later. So if you do remember that, that was the game right after the previous game was in Denver. Marcus Morris kind of gave Nikola Jokic a cheap shot. And Jokic came from behind, shoved him in the back, and laid Marcus Morris out. You never want to see a player get hurt, but he kind of got what he deserved for the cheap shot. Morris twins kind of do that anyway. But it, it actually hurt him for the rest of the year. I don't think he played the rest of the season. So it's crazy. We were down in Miami, and we went to that Nuggets game around Thanksgiving of 2021. And it was a big deal. It was national televised because, obviously, Jokic is going to Miami. Everybody thinks, you know, the Heat are going to try to get their leg back. Coincidentally, Jokic had a monster game. First time seeing him live in person. And let me tell you all He's bigger than you think he is on TV. He's way more skilled than you think he is on TV. And he moves a lot faster than you think. It's because he's a big lumbering guy, but when he has the ball, his decision-making is precise. He's quick without the ball. He knows where the ball is going to go. He knows where teammates are going to be at all times. It was just fun to watch him play that game. Ultimately, they won. Even crazy, I heard after the game. So his brothers was at the game too. You know, some back and forth social media chat, chatter about you know what somebody gonna do when they see him. Blah blah blah. You know, NBA tough guy. So after the game, they go to a club, and the club they get into a bar or whatever, they start playing the Serbian national anthem for Jokic and his brothers, <laughs> and just giving them their props for winning the game. So I mean. There's obviously some history there. You can call it bad blood, funny blood, Twitter blood, whatever you want to call it. But I'm excited to see this series for that reason. It was just fun to go to a Heat game and actually see Jokic and Jimmy Butler and all those guys play in person and uh, watch that game unfold. But like I said, nine out of the last 10 games, I was at one of those dubs that the Nuggets got. So it'll be interesting to see how this series will, will unfold. But when it comes to, you know, who I think will win this series, I think the Nuggets, I just think they have too much. I think the Nuggets will win, especially going into Denver, playing in the mile high, the altitude. It's just going to be a different ball game for the Heat. I think the Heat have had a great season. I'm not going to say that they don't have a chance to win, but if you put a gun in my head or you tell me to bet on it, that's a plug for the next segment. If you tell me to bet on it, I would have to go with the Nuggets to win this series. In how many games, I'm going to give Jimmy Butler at least two. I don't think Jimmy is just going out like that. So I think they can get two in Miami. They can probably even steal one and get one back home in South Beach. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, an interesting series, seeing how the city of Denver will be during the NBA Finals in June. Then traveling down to Miami in June. It's going to be two different atmospheres. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens. But when we come back, we're going to get into that segment that I know everybody loves. We call it Bet Pass. 
We're going. We have another five leg parlay. If it's for game one of the finals tomorrow, when we come back. This is the X Factor Sports Podcast. Don't go nowhere. Welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. This is yours and mine's favorite segment. We call it Bet That. This week, we're going to talk about the NBA Finals Game 1 tomorrow night on NBC. We're going to talk about a five-leg parlay we got for Game 1. All right? So, if you haven't been watching, when we do parlays, we talk about picking five different things to happen in a particular game. And if all those things happen, then you are going to win your bet. Well, the first leg of the parlay, we got the spread is at eight and a half for Miami Heat. It's eight and a half, eight and a half point underdogs. I'm going to go ahead and pick the Miami Heat to cover this spread. The reason why, like I said, they got a little momentum after winning game seven on Monday night. I think they're going to go ahead and come into Denver and cover this spread, eight and a half. That's a lot. The last time, they were the last game they played, they were seven and a half point underdogs to the Celtics in game seven and they ended up blowing them out. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to come in and blow out the Nuggets, but after a nine day layoff, it's hard for me to give the Denver Nuggets the nod to say that they're going to beat this team by eight points. So I do have a little bit of faith in Jimmy and the Heat that they won't lose by that much. So I'm going to go ahead and say they cover. Again, fresh off a big win. Nuggets might show a little rust after a nine-day layoff. Again, they live in Colorado, but they haven't played any basketball at full speed in, in almost a week and a half. So, game one in every series, Miami Heat have actually won, which is probably nothing you guys didn't know. But they beat, they beat the Bucks in Milwaukee in game one. They beat the Knicks in New York in game one. And they beat the Celtics in Boston. So they're not afraid to go on the road. It's still a game. Seems like that's been the, the recurrent theme here in the playoffs. So I wouldn't even be surprised if they won game one. However, that's why I'm going to take them a couple. Second leg, we're going to go over 219 points total scored. Heat are averaging 111 points in the playoffs, and the Nuggets are averaging 116. Again, I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. The Nuggets like to push the ball, push the pace, get up and down the court. Their strategy, I'm sure, is going to be, okay, the Heat have been through a grueling seven-game series. Why they got to play in this octagon? Let's push the ball. Let's get as many possessions as we can. Run, run, run. Heat will try to keep up. 
I think it'll be some points scored. Again, the first half may look a little sluggish trying to figure each other out. But all in all, at the end of the game, I think both teams can combine score, get up to 220 points. I'm going to go ahead and take over all the points. The third leg of the parlay. Jokic scores over 24 and a half points. If you've been paying attention to the playoffs. Jokic is averaging uh, 30 points per game. Well, even if he just gets his average, we're, we're in good shape. All right. Um, and he's well rested. Again, this is going to be that rest versus rust. I think for a big man like Nikola Jokic, somebody that actually does so much for his team, a rest wouldn't be a bad thing for him. But for somebody like a Jamal Murray that's more of a shooter, probably gets him out of his rhythm at full speed, Michael Porter Jr., but I think Jokic will actually bring him to him to rest. Again, remember, they've not played this far in the playoffs before. They've never played into June. So this will be a first-time thing for everybody. Now, that being said, I think Jokic is ready to take that next step. He'll shine in this big moment. And he has an offensive advantage. Nobody on that team for the Miami Heat can really guard Jokic. Like I said, he won nine out of the last 10 since 2019. And Jokic has been the main reason why. So even with Jamal Murray and with Michael Porter Jr. hurt in previous seasons, he's still been able to do his thing. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Jokic getting over 24 and a half. The fourth leg of the parlay. Bam scores over 13 and a half points. Again, he's averaging 17 and nine this postseason. And I believe, even though Jokic has the advantage and he's a better player, I think it's a different matchup. He's a little different than Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis doesn't move as, as much. He's not as agile as a Bam Adebayo inside and out. Like Bam runs the floor a little bit quicker than, than AD. I'm not saying he's better than AD. But I'm just saying the way he gets his points are a little different than Anthony Davis. It's his, you know? So... I, I can see him getting over 13 and a half points. He uses his quickness on Jokic, rebound and go in transition. I can see him getting to the free throw line a little bit. He averages over 80% from the free throw line, so he can get his points there. So it'll be easy to see him get over 13 points in this game one, especially because the last series he didn't play particularly well, little inconsistent, which is what he's been his whole career. He's still a young player. But I believe in this game one, he'll show up and make sure that he can get over the 13 points. He knows they need that for him to steal the game. In the last leg of the of the parlay, Jokic gets 40 plus on points, rebounds, and assists. So if you remember last week, we talked about the player prop where you can add points, rebounds, and assists, and the player has to get over a certain number. So today, this one is for Jokic, it's 40. Again, he averages a 30-point triple-double. You do the math. Even if it's 30, 10, 10, that's 50 points right there. Combined points, rebounds, and assists. I believe he will definitely get that. Of course, if I'm thinking he's going to get over 24 and a half points, even if he gets 25, I think he can get 15 if you combine rebounds and assists together. Again, everything goes through him. And as long as he can stay out of foul trouble, I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't get 40 points, rebounds, and assists. He's the biggest guy on the floor, so I wouldn't be surprised if he gets 12 to 15 rebounds in game one as well. And then he sets up everybody for shots. So that's where his assists are going to come from. Everything comes through him from the top of the key, pinch post, from the free throw line extended, and everything moves around through him. 
So he gets to all he makes the ultimate decisions on the offensive end. And on the defensive end, he's the biggest guy on the floor. So the way the Miami Heat play their game, yes, they kick it out to Gabe Benson, Caleb, Caleb, and shoot threes. He's going to be the big man down there to rebound that and initiate offense. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets his 40 plus points, rebounds, and assists. So that's what we got. We have the Miami Heat to cover at eight and a half. We're going to take the over on 219 and a half points total. Jokic scores over 24 and a half points. Bam scores over 13 and a half. And then we got Jokic getting the PRA over 40 points. All right. So go ahead and place these bets. See what happens for game one. I know I already did mine. So looking forward to this game tomorrow night. We can talk more about it throughout the playoffs, throughout the finals. Go ahead and check that out. When we come back, we got a two-minute warning that you do not want to miss. All right? This is the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Don't go nowhere. Welcome back to the Edge Factor Sports Podcast. Again, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe on the YouTube channel, the X Factor Sports Podcast. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook at X Factor Sports. Before we close the show out today, I want to talk about something that's, I guess, near and dear to me because there's two Chicago Bulls I want to talk about. But everybody's heard the news about Scottie Pippen. Last week, or earlier this week, he got on TV talking about um, Michael Jordan was a horrible player. When he got to the NBA, Michael Jordan was a horrible player, a horrible teammate, and, you know, all this stuff. So... Some revisionist history, apparently, on, on Scottie Pippen's part. For those who don't know, Scottie Pippen was drafted by technically the Seattle Supersonics and being traded to the Bulls, but 87 88, he was, he was a rookie on the Bulls. If you remember what Michael Jordan did in 1987 88, he was pretty much at that point, what he did that season made him the best player in the NBA. He was the league MVP, 
He's a defensive player of the year. He led the league in steals. He won the dunk contest. He was all-star game MVP. His first team All-NBA, offense and defense. So at that point in his career, in year three, four, year four, Jordan was the best offensive player in basketball and the best defensive player in basketball. But according to Scottie Pippen, when he came to the league, he was a horrible player. So I don't, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. Scottie is making emotional responses, and I get it. He's had a rough few years. If you think about what's been happening with Scottie Pippen, especially in this social media era, he was not happy at how he was portrayed in the last game. He is not happy about his personal life. I mean, his ex-wife is dating Michael Jordan's son. That's a tough pill to swallow. I mean, it seems like, and then every time people talk basketball, they talk about is Michael Jordan the GOAT, is LeBron the GOAT. And he feels like his name should be involved in that somehow, some way, however you want to slice it. He he's he take he's taking this very emotional. And I just feel like he thinks his legacy is gonna fade away. You know, if he's not, if his face isn't out in front of everything. He just put out a book last year. Maybe this is for more book sales. I don't know what it is, but I mean, every time I've ever heard Michael Jordan talk about the Bulls, he talks about, you can't mention my name without mentioning Scotty Pippen. I don't win six championships without Scotty. But every time I hear Scotty talk, it's like, Jordan was a horrible teammate. Jordan was a horrible player. And there's, it's just inconsistency there. I don't know what it is. I mean, I guess the bottom line is hurt people hurt people, right? So with Scottie Pippen, with all the things that's happening with him emotionally, what's happening to him and his family, what's happening with him in the, in the world of basketball, it's just, it's almost like a cry out, like he's hurt. And I think I think he's lashing out. And hopefully, I mean, these dudes are 60 years old. And hopefully, at some point, I don't know if they're going to reconcile and be golf buddies or whatever. But, I mean, it's almost like they're tarnishing all the great things they did together now that they're old. And they don't want to – they don't want to have people remember all the good times that they had. And, I, and that's what I remember. Obviously, being a kid from Chicago, born and raised – through the Jordan, through the Bulls era, I obviously saw all of it. And now, this younger generation, all they're seeing is these two slamming each other. So it's kind of crazy. But like I said, man, hurt people hurting people. If you can't be at peace with yourself, it's hard to be at peace with anybody else. And I think that's what Scotty Griffin needs to find. And again, you need to find some peace, my man. You did great things. You're a Hall of Famer. You're an all-time great. You're one of the 50 greatest players ever play in my mind you probably top 30 and hopefully you can find some peace man it's jay mundane signing out i want to thank you guys for tuning into the x-factor sports podcast next week we will have a special for the nba finals for game three next wednesday i will be doing game i will be doing the x-factor sports podcast live during the game be a side by side it almost will be like the commentating talking about the game as it's going on doing the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. You guys will be able to comment on the show. We can chat back and forth, talk about ball, talk about whatever you guys want to during the game. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a two and a half hour show. 
So you guys buckle up. Can't wait to see y'all next week. This is the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good night. Peace.